welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Every so often on a Sunday night, we have a meeting like we have tonight called Rapid Fire. We call it Rapid Fire because we have four young people, which happen to be young tonight, but it's not always going to be young people. But tonight it's four young people that have seven minutes to preach something that is on their heart to help and to encourage and to bless us as a church tonight. And uh, in consultation with Mick, who leads our youth group, I said, who's been sharing? Who's been speaking at youth recently? And uh, he gave me a few names. And so I met with them recently. And as I listened to what it is that was on their heart, I said, guys, do you recognise what's happening here? We've created our very own power team. Because every one of them had a message on the power of something. And so each of these messages are going to help you to become more powerful. And so you're going to have a very powerful week this week. Okay? And so are you ready to encourage our preachers tonight? Are you ready? You need to let the preacher in you out tonight. Is there an amen in the house? What about a glory? I've just been to America. It's just awesome. America. Is that right? There we go. Got it, got it, got it. Cool. Are you guys, are you guys ready to encourage? Because it's, it's not easy. They reckon it's easier to leap out of a plane with a parachute than it is to speak publicly. That's what they reckon. They reckon that uh, they being the experts, that it is you know, one of the hardest things in the world to do when it comes to standing in front of people and speaking. And I know that firsthand because when I was younger, I was terrified to speak in front of people. Every Monday morning, we would have our Monday morning talks, which eventually led for me to stand in front of the school or in front of the classroom and just freeze. And when the laughter got, you know, quite loud, the teacher would then let me sit down. I never, ever spoke at a Monday morning talk. That was my start to public ministry. And uh, who knew that God had a plan to put a microphone in my hand to have me stand up here and do what I'm doing today. God is awesome. And so we are in for an absolute treat tonight. And I believe these young men and women that you're about to see have an incredible future, but they also have an incredible present. We are not here just throwing them a bone. We are not here tonight just giving them a chance. They have something to share. They have something in their heart. And I believe if we will have hearts to receive, you'll be blessed, encouraged, and you will grow through what you're about to hear. And so without further ado... I want you to give the biggest and warmest welcome to a regular, a regular to our rapid fire nights. We've only had one before, <laughs> but he did speak before and I thought it'd just be great to hear from him again. And he's going to be sharing on the power of faith. I speak of none other than Sir Ralph. Come up here, Ralph. Woo-hoo! Come on, mate. Come on. This is your platform, mate. Go for it. Enjoy. How are we all going today? 
Awesome, awesome. So good to be back and uh, I'm very privileged to give you guys another message today. I just want to get straight into it uh, uh, because I have something important to share tonight. I'm going to be talking about the greatest comeback because there's some people here that in their life they're uh, taking despair from the past and uh, they're taking bitterness from the past and they think they can't reach the dreams that uh, once lay before them. And uh, I'm here just to say that uh, all of you guys are thinking like that at the moment, we're about to make the greatest comeback of all time. Through our faith with God, we're about to make the greatest comeback of all time. And now, there was a story from the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 37 onwards, and it was about a guy called Joseph, and he was the favorite son um, in his family. Who thinks they're the favorite sibling today? Yeah? Oh, that's going to cause some trouble afterwards, I reckon. Um, and he was the favorite sibling, and that caused uh, a bit of uh, jealousy and bitterness among his family. And in fact, at the age of 17, Joseph was sold to roadside gypsies for money, who then sold him on to King Potiphar. And um, uh, that's uh, easily a setback where someone could lose their faith. That's easily a setback where someone um, can't look towards their dreams. But Joseph took that. Joseph took that and stayed faithful to God. He stayed faithful to God. And, and we see him rose through the ranks of uh, King um, Potiphar's uh, army, and in fact, he became uh, part uh, key leader in uh, the army there. And, and he was such until an, a further setback ar arose, and um, he was actually thrown in jail for a crime he uh, didn't commit. A and for any of us, if we were ever put in jail, we could easily, easily, easily lose our faith in God, especially when we did uh, nothing wrong. But, but Joseph stayed faithful. In fact, he prophesied. He prophesied over the four former cupbearer for the pharaoh and said, hey, you're going to go back to your former position, but when you do, please don't forget about me. And it happened, and it happened. He returned and became the cupbearer for the pharaoh, but he forgot about Joseph. And Joseph spent two more years in jail, two more years in prison, uh, in a massive setback to reaching his uh, dream of uh, being uh, elevated among the masses in a position of power. So he spent two more years set back from that dream. And it wasn't until the Pharaoh had his own dream. He had his own dream that couldn't be understood. And he was asking everyone. And the cupbearer finally said, hey, oh, there's this guy in jail. Oh, what was his name? John, uh, Jeff, Joseph, that's the one. He's pretty good at dreams. So you should ask him. Uh, call him up. Get him up here. And yeah, uh, the Pharaoh got him. Uh, and Joseph said, hey, there's going to be seven years of prosperity among the world, followed by seven years of drought. And the Pharaoh uh, was so pleased that someone could come up with his dream that he appointed Joseph second in command of his entire kingdom. And come the eighth year, come the first year of drought for Egypt, uh, uh, you see Joseph elevated among the masses in a position of power, and his brothers have come to Egypt looking for food. The same brothers that sold him when he was 17 years of age, uh, sold him through jealousy. They are coming down and kneeling before his, the, the brother, and you see Joseph's dream, Joseph's destiny come to life. Through all of the setbacks, through all of the putbacks, through through all of the despair through Joseph's life, he reached uh, his destiny. And sometimes we feel like Joseph does. We feel like Joseph does. Uh, we go through uh, pain and suffering. We go through depths of despair. And we get stuck inside of walls inside of our life. We get stuck inside of uh, walls that confine our seasons of our life. But we need to be more like Joseph. He was a faithful man. He pushed into God when the worst was happening. We need to push into God when the worst happen happens. And that leads me to 
to uh, my first and only point for tonight. <laughs> first and only point. That when we're going through a bad season, uh, we need to be prepared for something. We need to be prepared to have courageous faith in God. Because when we have courageous faith in God, our comeback, the greatest comeback of all time, is just around the corner. And, and what do I mean by courageous faith? I mean that we should be believing in the impossible when the impossible seems improbable. I'm going to say that again because I think that's the greatest thing I've ever come up with. <laughs> We need to believe in the impossible when the impossible seems improbable. G uh, Joseph, Joseph's dream of becoming in that position of power seemed impossible for his whole life. He was set back over and over and over again. And then finally, uh, the improbable came through and, and he realized his dream. He realized that the impossible had occurred. And now I'm running out of time, so I've got to just finish this. I'm going to land this bad boy. So... Um, <laughs> When we're going through a bad season, uh, we've got to try to push into God more. We've got to have more faith. We need to remember to view our setbacks not as setbacks, but as the beginning of comebacks. We can't be stuck inside of an old season. We can't be stuck in isolation. It's a time for cooperation with our Lord and Savior. Uh, when we have faith in God's provision, when we push into God more, and this is something I found out in a recent season of my life, when we push into God more, He will provide over and above we think will happen in our current situation. And for some of us, that could be hard, because when we're going through a bad season, uh, sometimes faith is the hardest thing uh, we could actually do. But let me ask you, how long are you going to take the burdens of your past, stop you from growing in your future? How long are you going to compromise your destiny because you can't get past your history? How long are you going to get the what-ifs, the what-could-have-beens, stopping you from what God knows can be for your life? We need to push in to God more and more. The past is the past. Don't let it compromise your dreams in your life. Your dreams will always become a reality if you push into God and work, work towards them. Don't misrepresent your future. Reinvent your present and have courageous faith in God that his provision will provide for you. Thank you. Come on. Wow. I mentioned that it's difficult to preach from a public platform. It's also very difficult to do it in seven minutes. How many of you have a sneaking suspicion that Ralph had more to say? And that he was trying his best to keep it down to seven minutes. Ralph, you did phenomenal, mate. Uh, that was amazing. Well done. There are lots of things in that message that were very tweetable. So if you're into Twitter, tweet some of those incredible one-liners of Ralph. That would be great. So as I've mentioned before, this is my power team, and that is the power of faith. Now we have the message, the power of obedience, and that's going to be brought to us by Miss Celine. Come on, Celine, come up here. Thanks, Tony. Come on, Celine, this is your platform. You go for it. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Well, I couldn't actually help but think of the example that Tony just used before about, you know, it's a lot easier to, I guess, jump from a plane than speak in front of a, a whole audience. 
Um, but I guess that's where the power of obedience comes in. And, you know, I have the choice right now to actually run out that door, okay? There is a door. I can use it if I want to, but I am not going to. <laughs> All right, so I'm actually going to talk about um, a man in Luke 5 named Simon, also known as Peter. And basically, Peter also had a- an option to be obedient. So uh, to break this down, I'm not going to read out the scriptures, but to break it down, uh, Peter was a fisherman. And one, you know, all of a sudden he comes across and he meets Jesus. And all of a sudden, you know, after fishing all night long, Jesus is like, all right, you know, I want you to pull out your boat. Um, we're going to go catch some fish. And, you know, right there and then, I can actually see Simon. I can actually see him right now and just saying, are you kidding me? We have just been fishing all night long and now you're actually asking me to go out and catch fish. But because you said so, I will put out the nets. Now, I want you to actually hold on to that thought. You know, and as the story goes on, Simon does what Jesus asks and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Jesus... Uh, blesses him with all this fish. All of a sudden, you know, he's put down the nets and he's just overflowing and with abundance of fish. And all of a sudden, you know, he's giving them out to everybody that he sees. You know, he's passing them out. And, you know, just in that thought itself, you know, he comes and he, he falls onto, onto, Jesus, onto his knees to Jesus and said, you know, turn away, I'm a sinful man. And, you know, I kind of wonder why he actually said that, maybe because he doubted. You know, instead of believing, maybe he actually doubted that, you know, that Jesus couldn't do this thing. And all of a sudden, you know, he's down on his knees and he's like, you know, please, Lord, you know, why? But then all of a sudden, Jesus turns to Peter or to Simon. You know, I'm going to be flicking back between both of them. (laughs) And he says... You will put down your nets and you will come and fish for people. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of us have ever experienced a time where God has spoken to us and instead of trusting him and being obedient, we've run in the opposite direction and then wondered why we didn't have the life that we thought we would be living? Question number two. How many of us are too afraid to see what is on the other side of being obedient? Because logically, it's too good to comprehend. More than we dreamed, hoped, or imagined. Isn't it much easier saying in my comfort bubble with something that I am familiar with? Now, you know, I want to relate the story to my own testimony. You might wonder how these two stories actually connect. For me, it was winter last year at winter camp, and... Cameron Bennett actually spoke a word over my life and he said, you're going to be working with young girls and you're going to be ministering to a youth group. And, you know, right then I was so excited. You know, I remember seeking the right people and, you know, going to my mentors and saying, you know what, I can actually do this, I can do it. And then all of a sudden I'm out that door. My mind just changed just like that. The enemy pulled my feet from underneath me, and I was out that door. And then all of a sudden, these people are saying, well, what happened to you when God actually spoke to you? You know, you heard God speak to you. And I said, yeah, I know, but this is a lot more comfortable staying over this side. 
Just like Simon, I struggled and I wrestled with obeying what Jesus had asked of me. I can do this. <laughs> Sorry, I can do it. <laughs> Pretty much what, you know, I can't even just look at my notes right now because my, all my thoughts are just going everywhere, so I'm just going to try my best to, you know, cut it down in this time. You know, I don't want any of you to feel pressured or even think that, you know, to, uh, that when you obey, you know, it's all a set of rules. You know, when I think of obedience, I think of a dog being trained, you know, trained of getting rid of bad habits, trained to do tricks. But what about what's on the other side of that? The dog gets treats after it, doesn't he? Doesn't he? What about a child? What about a child who, you know, obeys, you know, what mum and dad say? It's all part of their development, isn't it? And that's, I think, the bit that, you know, we miss out on and that we skip over is what's on the actual on the other side of being obedient because we're too caught up being caught where we are in our comfort zone. Now my time is actually coming to an end but what I really actually want to encourage you, it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you have been a Christian, I've only been a Christian for three years and this is the reason, you know, from being obedient, I'm actually standing up on this stage. You have a choice. You have a choice to run out that door or to take it with all that you have. What do you have to lose but to gain everything? Because when you actually look at the bigger picture, it is much more than that. All of these obedience, all of these rules were actually set in place for us so that we could have a better life, a better future. They were set in place because Jesus loved us. God loved us enough to keep us away from what the world had to offer. And I know what the world had to offer because I've been there and I don't want to go back there. Let's be realistic. What's on the other side of obedience is far better than we could ever hope, dream or imagine. Just like Simon and myself, you can have that too. You can have the abundant of blessings on the other side of being obedient. So what are you waiting for? Take heart, be strong. Be strong and courageous because this is the power of obedience. Thank you. Very good. Thanks, Celine. I really do, really, really, really appreciate it. You guys can take a seat. I just want to, before we move on, just to grab this moment. Because there's a moment. I don't know if you get this. Celine shared a great word, but it was more what she did than what she shared. What she did was the message. Her message was great, but it was what she did. Because what she did is what she was talking about. Too often we read the stories in the Bible or we read the autobiographies or biographies of our heroes 
be that spiritual heroes or physical heroes, natural heroes. I just had a holiday and I read all about Arnold Schwarzenegger's life. And you can't read about him and not get inspired at some level. And because we know the outcome of their life, we, we skip over the pain and the isolation and the loneliness and the hurt of those moments of obedience. Arnold talks about flying to America with no money and knowing nobody. And, and we, we know he becomes a rock star out of it. We know he becomes governor. We know all that. But we, there was a moment when he wasn't so sure. And anyone who you emulate or want to be like in some small way, shape or another had those moments. And it's the moments all of us are facing in our lives at different times. Maybe as you look at me up here or Celine, you say, well, I, I never want to be a public speaker ever. But it's not about being a public speaker. It's about you going from where you are to where you need to be. And you're never going to get to where you need to be by doing whatever you want to do. There are times in our life we have to do not what we want, but what is required. And that's where obedience steps in. And so I want to just ask, would you close your eyes just for a moment? This is the power of what Celine has just shared. If there is something right now that you know you've been procrastinating on, I'm going to ask Celine to come back up here and just pray for you for the courage to face your fears. It could be a situation at work. It could be someone that you've got to confront. It could be someone you've got to say sorry to. It could be whatever. But if there's something you know you've been procrastinating on, as Celine comes up here, we just raise your hand. Every eye is closed. Just raise your hand. I'm going to ask Celine just to pray for you. Thanks, Celine. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God, Lord Jesus, to give us the life that we have now. Father God, I pray for every single person in this room. They know who they are, Lord, because they have that feeling in their stomach right now. I pray for these people, Father God. I pray you give them the courage to be obedient to you, Father God, not to be comfortable in where they are, Lord Jesus, but where they could be, where, what could come out of it, Father God. I pray you give them the wisdom, Lord Jesus. I pray you surround them with people, Father God, that can get them to the same place that all these people got me to. Thank you, Father God. Father, we want to say thank you in advance for what you're going to do in these ones' lives tonight as they walk out the act of obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the key things to walking out our obedience is hanging around the right people. Celine alluded to that. And I think this church is a great place full of great people to hang around to help see those dreams and obstacles overcome. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Who's enjoying themselves tonight? I love having a run sheet and I love smashing the run sheet and just going with what we're doing. So we're doing that tonight. Um, I, I'm sure uh, our next preacher enjoyed that moment, but at the same time, he's like, just get me up there. And so in keeping with our power theme, our next one is the power of perspective. And I want you to welcome to the platform our good friend, Paul O'Neill. Come on, Paul. Come up here. Come on, mate. There we go. Oh, I, want to, I want in on that. I want in on that action. Come on. There we go. Thanks for that, Maddie. That was awesome. 
always gotta always gotta break the tension in this room. Otherwise, I just look like a weirdo up here. <laughs> but I'm gonna try not to pace tonight, and I'm gonna try not to joke about myself because that means push-ups. There we go. Everyone know that. Everyone can keep me accountable to that. So who is having a powerful night tonight in this house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Well, I hope I can uh, join the party. <laughs> Gay, we, 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 you, I taught you a move. This is what I want you to do if you agree with me. We're going gospel tonight. There we go. Come on. <laughs> Woo! I've adopted these two as my grandparents. Everyone else, back off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm your boy. <laughs> guys, I want you guys to turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to try not to talk that loud all the time. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Who loves the Word of God? That is great. I'm glad we're in church tonight. On that note, <laughs> I wish to speak about a specific issue that needed renewing in my mind. God had to do a work in my life to get me to this point where I could speak to you and get me to the point also where I'm involved in the best South Australian youth ministry, Victory Youth. Bit of a plug there, cheap plug. <laughs> I guess there's a few guys in this room could, that could agree with this point. I think Drew Clift on the back desk can probably agree with this. Benno down here in the front row and Mikos next to him. Even Tony. I am not a, lot, a guy who likes to be told what to do. Now, 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 now. One thing I had to do to renew in my mind was I had to let other people talk into my life. I had to let perspectives penetrate the core of me. Now, we're going to keep going because I've spent two and a half minutes on an intro and I've got about four minutes to go. What I want to talk about tonight is perspectives. Who is with you? This was a massive deal and a turning point in my life. I want to urge you to be accountable to someone that you look up to. In the case of getting advice on how to cope or understand the Gospels, do not hesitate to ask someone older or more experienced than you. That's what our leadership team are here for. And I tell you, tweet this, healthy people help people and seek help from others. Before you can solve the world's problems, you need to allow God to do a work in your own life. This, is, this I believe, from realizing how God has placed me in a church <laughs> where, okay, okay, I got that wrong. Guys, God has placed me in a church where people have gone through issues, people have dealt with life's tackles, and essentially and I, I understand the perspectives and the benefits of that right now. And I just want to encourage you guys to see that, to see that this place is a wealth. It is a wealth of knowledge upon which you are not the greatest, but collectively, we are the life of Christ. We are the church. And I love that. So what's on the topic of perspectives? Because we're running out of time really quickly. Uh, the people who talk into your life should be selective. 
Do not allow yourself to just let anyone speak into your situation. This is what I found. Before you can accept advice from someone, identify on what grounds they have authority to speak about the things they're speaking about. Make sure the path they have left is one of consistency and is built in faith in Jesus Christ. Bad and poisonous opinions. Much the same you can generally gather by the monitoring of the road they are on and if it reflects a life invested in Christ. If you have any doubts, just go see a leader. Benno, Mick, Tony, Kath, there's plenty of guys around. Just go see them, please. If I can encourage you to do anything tonight, go see a leader. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably end this here because I, I think... This is probably the most powerful and crucial perspective you need. And that is the living Word of God. Understand that it's meant to be read and meditated on. When dealing with people and problems, you need to be in the Word of God. This is a living perspective and should not be sold short. Understand its power and relevance and you'll be able to discern what is good and pleasing in the eyes of God. You'll become more capable, influential, and effective than you ever thought you could be. And you'll become more capable, influential, and effective in supporting your friends. In closing, the role of others in your life is crucial. Make sure you aren't alone in this. Make sure you have healthy perspectives that can only be received by embracing the men and women of God that surround you in this church. And there are great women and men of God in this church. None of which, oh no, I'm not going there. I don't, I don't know what I was saying, guys. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> now, what I want to talk about real quickly is isolated people. Now, I'm going to use a little bit of a... Um, Oh, isolation's dangerous. Who knows isolation's dangerous? We don't think and we don't cool, do cool stuff on our own. I know how I am when I'm out, when I'm, when, when I'm out, when I'm hermiting at home, when I'm not in the Word of God, I know where I'm at. Now, the, I'm going to steal this one from Carl Lentz. Who likes Carl Lentz in this place? Please, please, please raise your hand. I hope someone likes Carl Lentz. <laughs> now, he had a really, really cool, he had a really, really cool illustration of what isolation looks like to God. Has anyone ever been to a horror movie before? Oh, no, no one in church has been to a horror movie before. (laughs) Guys, 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 what I want to talk about real quick in the 10 seconds that I have remaining is how many times in like uh, Friday the 13th, no one's watched that here, there's there's that drunk girl who's alone at the party, nine people have been killed outside, Everyone, everyone's getting killed in the forest. And she decides, where am I going to go after this party? I'm going to go to the forest. I'm going to go there. And you're watching this movie like, don't go to the forest. It's where you'll die. I'm running over time, but I'm going to wrap this up. What I want to say is, do you think God's the same in heaven when you're isolating yourself? When you're not reading your Bible? Do you think that? Because I think he's up there having a really, really big shake of the head like, what are these people doing? I put Benno in his life and he's just joking around. He's just ignoring that man of God's voice in his life. And what I want to say about that is don't.
I think there's a few more people here that have actually seen Friday the 13th. You're just being on your best behaviour. Because as he started getting into the story, when he asked, who's seen it? Everyone, no. When he started telling the story, all your faces changed. I know, I remember that. It's true. We're not called to do life alone. At the same time, we're not called to do life with just anybody either. We're called to do life with the right people. For me to stand up here last week and introduce a man who's been in my life for 25 plus years is a real thrill for me. It was an absolute highlight and we need to make much of that. To have a man who mentored, pastored, cared for, loved on, corrected, disciplined me at the age of 17 through to 23 on a weekly and at times daily basis. And then to be in my life for all the other years since then and to be in our church now is a real privilege. It's not just having anyone in your life, it's having the right people. And having the right people are rare. Seek them out and don't let go of them. Thanks, Paul. One more time for Paul O'Neill. That was a great word. The power of perspective. We have one more preacher tonight, and he's going to be talking about the power of your words. And he's a newbie. And so I want to put your hands together for Mr. Morgan Hancock. Come on. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> so I'm just going to jump right in. I'm sticking with the power theme and talking about the power of our words, uh, particularly in dealing with and ridding uh, our lives of something that seems to have rooted itself in our culture today, and that's stress. So what is stress? Uh, it can be thought of as the reaction. This gets a bit complicated. The reaction or the end result to the actions you take when dealing with your stressor. Now, if you, if you hop on Google, did you get your heads around that? Yeah? If you hop on Google, <laughs> if you hop on Google and type in uh, the side effects of stress, you get hundreds. Um, pain, digestive problems, autoimmune diseases, uh, depression, obesity, it goes on and on. So surely God, who designed us in his image and said that we are very good, not just good, very good, did not intend for us to experience all of this in normal response to life events. Uh, I believe that stressing to the point of inflicting yourself with these symptoms is not what God ever meant for us. It's how we deal with these unwanted events uh, that can decide whether it leads to stress or, we, or whether we move forward and get through them. So a bit of a Latin lesson. Um, the word stress in Latin is called stringeri, which means to draw tight. So if you imagine a piece of string and you pull on it, you draw it tight, you're putting stress on it. So in terms of our psychological stress, if you imagine here's our psychological mindset out here, I'll point with this hand, but I can't, then we're drawing tight our focus onto the one point. So we miss out on everything around here. So if we're talking about like a, an exam or a work meeting, then suddenly if we're just focusing on this, this work meeting in here, then we're missing out our devotions, our friendships, how we speak to our kids, and we're drawing tight our focus on the wrong things. We see a great example of this uh, in Genesis 11 uh, with the Tower of Babel where a united humanity, we all spoke one language, decided to build a big tower and got so focused on the height of it 
um, and trying to make a name for themselves that they forgot all about God and became totally focused on their own egos. Their focus was drawn tight. It was drawn tight to the height of their tower and not on what it should have been. Now, it's in the second half of this scripture that we see something intriguing. When God saw what they had done, he could have easily just wiped them all out. He'd just started with a flood before. Uh, he, could have, he could have killed the people who were the mindset behind it, uh, turned them into salt. He does heaps of things to people he doesn't like in the Bible. Um, but instead, he decided to take away their most important tool that they were using, and that was their words, their ability to communicate. That's how powerful our words are, and even God knows it. Um, I'm even going to go as far as saying tonight that our words can be the keys to unlock all of the stuff already that Ralph, Paul, and Celine have talked about. And this is why. Um, if you look in your Bibles, in Genesis, we can see just why our words are the most powerful tool in our life. In Genesis 1, God creates everything we see around us. But he didn't use a nail gun and a Makita drill. He didn't go to the bloke and win the door prize of some spanners and a, and a hammer and decide to make something out of it. No, he spoke. He spoke, let there be light. He spoke sky. He spoke separation between the sky and the waters, and he spoke plants and animals. Then it gets even better. If you keep reading, in Genesis 2, verse 5 to 7, I'll just go to verse 7, it says, God formed man out of dirt and from the ground, and he blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and man came alive, a living soul. God blew his very breath, or... You almost felt it then. Into existence and into you and into me. That means that today, this same breath all right, that's manipulated by our vocal cords to form what we see as speech is living in us today. It's that same breath that created the, everything we see around us, that created the mountains, that, yeah, that did all that. And no wonder the Bible then tells us to speak to one another in Psalms. The Bible tells us to say to this mountain, go and chuck yourself in the ocean. And it's because our words have power. So how do we use our words to de-stress our lives? Two super quick points. Uh, one, we need to speak out over our circumstances. Speak into existence positive thoughts and speak life into hopeless situations. Declare scripture over all our aspects of life and watch your speech come into reality. Uh, my mum back in Mount Gambia... Uh, used to tell my sister and I in the car before an exam, uh, just see this as a wonderful opportunity to use and see before you all the wonderful information that you've gained throughout the year. And we used to sit back like, Mum, whatever you reckon. You don't know what we're talking about. But anyway, she did this years and years and then made us repeat it. And now I go into an exam at uni and all I hear is, use this as an opportunity. <laughs> and it's stuck in my head. And what it's done, it's incredible. It's changed my perspective at what exams are about. That's all I hear now. This leads us into my next point. Words help us to refocus our perspective onto the things that count. So remember that word stringary, how it's drawing tight our focus? Well, when we use our words and speak into the right, uh, speak the right words over our circumstances, then we're going from our, our drawn tight perspective over here to drawing it out and with our words moving on to the things that actually count. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transacts all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now the key for this, you know, it's good to pray and it's good to petition God, but the key is with thanksgiving. Um, when we do this, we're realigning our perspectives to God's perspectives. 
um, and we realize we are simply too blessed to be stressed. I challenge you, next time you, um, you're feeling down, you're feeling that everyone else has got that T-shirt and you don't, so you, you think you'll pray to God about it, or you think you deserve a work promotion and you go to pray to God, before you do, look around you and thank God. God, I thank you for this house. God, I thank you that I have clean drinking water. You know, and what it does is it changes our perspectives, and I guarantee that you will feel stupid then praying for a new T-shirt. Uh, and it's not just Thanksgiving uh, that we speak out that realigns our perspectives. Um, it's also lots of other things. Uh, Tony will often come up here and tell how his dad, Keith, used to always say, in light of eternity, what does it matter? And then how speaking that over him and then speaking that out would change our perspectives, change his perspectives, and change the whole situation. For those of you who are here this morning, Paul Ross did it as well. He used his words to change our perspective when he was talking about compassion, and we saw how the other world lived as well. The Bible says that our tongue has power over life and death. Our words are our most powerful tools at our disposal. And we need to use them not to build up our towers of Babels, but rather build towers of life and freedom, not being bound by stress and anxiety. The combination of our spoken word aligned with godly truths and the knowledge that nothing we can do will make God love us any more or less is our trump card. It's our full house in life. So uh, in summing up, I think the best we can do is, because we've all just heard about speaking, we're going to get you all to stand up. And we're going to use our words to declare over our lives that it will be free of stress. So repeat after me. I... I Morgan Hancock, insert your name. <laughs> Using the power of my spoken word, declare that stress and anxiety has no place in my life. And from today, I choose to realign and tighten my focus on the truths that God has promised me. One last bit. And I recognize the immense power of my words and will use them to realign my perspectives, fuel my faith, and walk in obedience through the incredible life God set for me. Awesome. Thanks. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.